the end of the year when it comes to paying the government your taxes if you haven't set aside that money then all of a sudden you're scrambling running around trying to find a couple thousand dollars or in some people's instances tens of thousands of dollars and in some businesses that I've heard of a hundred thousand dollars trying to figure out where do I find this money to all of a sudden pay the government when I'm supposed to be setting that money aside. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Webflow, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the greatest failures behind the greatest webflowers, because success often comes after learning from many failures. I'm your host, Jack Redley, a failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Jamie Wendell. He is the founder of Cooler Design Studio, an official Webflow partner based in Canada. He's also passionate about helping Webflowers develop. He's an ADP list mentor, and he's just released a guide for Webflowers to level up their game. The three failures Jamie talks about are fear of failure, failing to keep track of his financials, and failing to ask for help. So, embrace and learn from failure in episode 17 of Webflow with Jamie Wendell. Jamie, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. So let's get into this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. As I mentioned in the intro, you're a senior project coordinator, and then you're an account strategist, and then digital producer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what these uh, job roles entail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you like a short, a short overview. So when I left high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do or study. Like a lot of people do, they go to college and university. I went straight into the corporate working world. So I joined a, a really cool company back in South Africa when I was 19 or 20. Uh, so super young. And I started out as like packing boxes, like logistics. So that was like the intro to, to the working world. Um, and I kind of just worked my way up there, fast forward six years later, kind of managing all the operations and logistics, shipping products all around the world. So my background, I would say for the first eight years or 10 years of my working career was operation focused. So that's mainly what I do today and where my friends are, but the admin side, the operational side, logistics, I understand finance, like I kind of dabbled in a lot of different roles within those companies that I worked at. So same like at Design Partnership, I was uh, working with the finance department a lot, uh, doing costing sheets, helping the project managers, a lot of project coordination, a lot of admin driven type tasks, but then obviously fell in love with the design aspect and the creative aspect while I was there. So in the background, kind of just self-taught on YouTube and Google, you know, branding and logos and colors and uh, back then WordPress and building websites on WordPress. So that's kind of how I fell into the, the creative scene. But you know, most of the roles that I've been in for the last 10 years have been in operational or logistics roles. So that's kind of been my background. But the, all the design stuff that I know today and that I learned as well as at Skyrocket Digital, um, my learning obviously accelerated while I was there. So learning everything from like brand strategy, brand identity design, you know, verbal identities and UX UI design and watching the designers kind of design custom design websites. And that's kind of where all my learning really, really took off. And then from there, it's just um, myself and then just kind of taking what I'm, what I know during the day and then making in the evenings and weekends kind of exploring and dabbling a little bit more like most of us do. And then kind of just, just learning from there. So yeah, that's kind of like, just a very high level of like my background and what I've done over the last decade of, of my working career in a, in a nutshell. Powerful combination to have a real understanding of kind of the behind the scenes of an agency to then learn the actual kind of product of the agency, you know, like Correct. skills, et cetera. So yeah. it's yeah. interesting that you came to it from 
the other side because a lot of the time people will be like a junior designer and then work their way up and then they'll Correct. Kind of get further and further away from the actual hands-on design stuff as they, mm-hmm. as they go to management but you've kind of come at it the other from another angle from another angle yeah it's funny that you said because i used to tell myself like early on um like my brother's really creative and he's good at drawing and so is my wife Diane. and she's really good at drawing and super creative i used to tell myself in the beginning like when I was in those roles or working in the operations, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not a creative, you know, like I can't draw, I can't paint, like I can't, like I'm not good with colors or, you know, like I used to love interior design. I used to love like that scene, but I always never saw myself as a creative until I stepped into actually trying it and doing it. Then I was like, oh, wait, hang on. I actually enjoy this. And I do have quite a good eye for design. And so then I started learning and just self-taught like kind of teaching myself to be creative, which is kind of weird, but but because I was so focused on finance and operations and logistics, which is totally different, it's more the analytical type side of, of things, then I wanted to step more into how can I retrain myself or learn new things that can help me become more creative, like a creative way of thinking, just coming up with designs and colors and playing around with fonts and learning all those type of things. So all of it that I did, I just kind of had to pivot and change, but I did it because I enjoy it's what I enjoyed. I mean, I used to draw and sketch like a little bit in high school. And um, to be honest with you, I, and my friends will probably laugh at this, like I wasn't very academic in school at all. I hated, hated school. I hated learning. I love school. I love hanging out with friends. We were like the naughty but mischievous type of group. Like we weren't the academic. We weren't super sporty. We were kind of like in the middle. So schooling, I did not do well at school. So everything post-school, I actually... I constantly just kept shocking myself. I was like, oh, wow, like, I didn't know this about myself. Um, I'm actually doing pretty well in this area. Or, oh, like, this is a strength. This is, and slowly over time, you just kind of get to see, like, what are some of the things you enjoy? What are some of your strengths? What are you good at? And then it kind of, like, all fits together almost like as a, as a puzzle. After you leave school, I find it's a journey of unlearning what you learn at school to uh, get to mm. grip that's what right. I find. It's interesting that you say that you kind of had successes and and learn as you as you went to a certain extent and now with cooler just to give an idea to anyone watching like where you're at how many workers do you have and what kind of projects are you working on can you give us a flavor of those yeah yeah, yeah. um so cooler's now two years two years now so I launched it in October 2020 um, well, that's when the idea and all of that came into into play um, and then incorporated in, officially in January 2021. And it's been great. Like, it's amazing. Like, it's surpassed my dreams and like wildest dreams and goals. Like, I maybe just hit the market at the right time and at the right place. Like, during the pandemic, like everyone needed, everyone was leaving their nine to fives and starting their own sideline hustles or starting their own businesses. And I kind of just hit the scene at the right time and the right place, but also deployed a lot of like strategies which we can chat about um later on that i put into the business but yeah at the moment we it's just myself that runs the design studio and i have about uh, i would say eight to twelve dedicated contractors um that are used on a continuous basis that are situated around the world and then about 30 plus other contractors on the database as well that i can tap into as the work ebbs and flows so it allows me to scale really with the project so at one stage i remember last year I was managing like 10 projects at once. And that was a little bit crazy. Like operationally, even though I'm very strong at that, that was a lot for me to manage all 10 in one go, but I did it. And having just a great team behind me, like I tapped into a lot of the contractors at that time to kind of help me fulfill the work. Um, But yeah, so I would say that's the team. We have 
since launch, I think we've helped just over 85 small businesses around the world transform their brand and website, which is pretty cool. And it's been like, they're all over the place. So, I mean, I've had like clients find me out of like Dallas, Texas and California and the Caribbean, um, United Kingdom, um, Germany, Hong Kong, and then all across Canada. Um, so it's been like, it's been pretty cool to kind of work with different people from different walks of life, different areas of the globe. Like that's been really cool. Obviously time zones sometimes become a challenge, but yeah, I mean, it's been like, I'm super proud of where we are today and what we've managed to accomplish in such a short amount of time. That's wild. It still, it still blows my mind even to today. Let's get into the failures. Tell me about failure number one. The fear of failure. Yeah, so so this is the 10th business that I've started and tried. We'll start it and hopefully this is the final one. But I've, I've back in South Africa, I dabbled in a lot of different ventures and startups and businesses. And uh, one of the things is like the fear of failing. So like feeling, failing like your spouse, your parents, your friends, your colleagues. Like when you take the plunge to say, okay, I'm going to step forward and I'm going to start my own business. It's a big deal. Like it's, it's a big step. And so there's that, that fear that kind of lingers inside of like, Oh, what happens if I, you know, I'm going to fail my parents or I'm going to fail my, cause you tell everyone around you're like, Hey, I'm going to start. I've got this idea. I'm going to start this business. You get all excited. And then you, and then the fear kicks in and you're like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, there's a potential I, I can fail my family and fail my spouse or fail my partner, fail my friends. So in the beginning, there's, there's that, that fear of failing. And so over the years, when I was looking back, I was like, a lot of times that fear is what actually drove me to keep, to keep going. So like, especially, I mean, I'm sure you can relate, like in the beginning, like there's a lot of self-doubt, right? Like questions that come up in the beginning, like, oh, well, can I do this? You know, am I capable? Do I have enough experience? Do I even know what I'm talking about? Am I going to be able to make sales? Like there's just so many emotions and feelings um, and things happening in the beginning that I feel like fear of failing is probably like for me was one of the, the biggest ones that you get like right in the beginning. That's a constant thought. And so I would say like to anyone um, specifically, like especially in the beginning, if you can try and if you acknowledge the, that fear of like wanting to fail, it, it's okay. But then I would say like try and shift your mindset to think of um, the positive side of things. So like how can you push through to, to get to get going and try and kick the self-doubt to the side if you can as much as you can or, or remove the feelings as much as you can in the beginning because when I started the the other business that I had in South Africa for the first like couple of months that's all I thought about was so my, my focus wasn't on growing the business or trying to get sales the, it was waking up every morning and being like okay, well, I don't want to let my friends down. I don't want to let my parents down. Uh, I don't want to let my partner down. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to make this, how am I going to make this work? And so when you constantly, if your focus is constantly on that, then it doesn't allow room to focus on anything else, getting sales and growing the business and putting yourself out there and stepping out of your comfort zone and doing the marketing and doing all the other things that come with growing and, and building a business. So I feel like for me, that was one of the things in the beginning, like one of the, the failures was the fear of failing. You have such a big block of fear that means that you don't even take the first step. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we have this massive idea. It's like, I'm going to start a business. So I'm going to completely <laughs> change my life around and I'm just going to make it work and stuff. Um, and that means that actually you're kind of like, oh no, I, I don't even know where to start. But I think... Take breaking up this bigger goal into smaller goals 
means that you can take action, you know, with little things day by day. And it you can kind of break past this huge fear of failure because you're you're kind of going from this, oh my God, this is a massive risk to send an email to, to someone who might be a potential client. Like that's my goal today. And you know, then you can yeah. kind of build in confidence from there maybe is that kind yeah, of how you, for sure, how you for broke sure. it down for sure like i have a lot of perseverance and drive and tenacity and some people might lack that or they might struggle in that area so for some people like taking action or taking massive action is sometimes hard for for some people so but to be honest with you that's where you kind of have to like just step out and and just kind of go into into go mode like do mode i remember even with the first business that I started when I was 25, I'm now 34. But when the first business, that one only lasted eight months. I ran out of money very fast, which we'll speak about when we get to the financials topic. But in, in, in the beginning, you, you focus on just trying to get the next task done. So like, okay, how can I just take this thing without worrying about like, is it perfect? You know, am I going to put it out there? Because especially when I started that business, I was like too worried about like, oh, how does my logo look? How does my website look? How does, uh, you know, like when I post on social media, like it had to be perfect. And it maybe took like weeks <laughs> to even post something. And so because then you're then the fear of like, oh, you know, judgment and what are people going to think? And um, did I misspell something? Did I write something wrong or whatever the case is? So once you get past that in the beginning and you can just kind of take action, like just do it anyway. So whether it's like 90% there or 95% there and you're happy with it and it makes sense, just post the thing or just go live, launch your website or launch your brand and then just reiterate over time. Like just constantly evolve it and update it over time. Same with Kula. If, I, if you look at Kula's website today, if I had to show you what the website looked like two years ago, you were like, oh man, it's a huge difference to what it is today, to what it was then. Um, and that's because in the background, I was just constantly refining, like every day, every week, just constantly just iterating, refining, iterating, refining, using feedback, making mistakes, building on the mistakes, and then carrying on. And I definitely yeah. think that that's something as well, that when you want to launch something or like tell your friends or family or get feedback or whatever, you you want it to look like the finished product. You, you might not have any clients as of yet and you you know you you're kind of building as you're going so it's never going to be perfect so just taking action like you say seems to be the kind of way forward and, and mm-hmm. bringing up that huge goal into micro goals that overall take you to that big goal as well for sure one thing that you you talked about there was letting down your friends and family i've had this experience as well with particularly my dad where you love them and you care about what they think but they don't really understand what you're doing, but they're giving you advice and you're kind of torn because you're like, I I love you. And, you know, (laughs) how did you deal with unsolicited advice from loved ones when you started businesses? Yeah, that's a man. That is a good one. That's a good one because I can totally relate. Like my, my dad is very pro like old school, like you go to university, you study and he's a mechanical engineer. So like very went through that path. So I remember in the beginning, even when I started working in corporate and then um, left to start my own business, my first one, um, he also said I was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, there's no, there's no money in that or, um, you know, there's no structure. Like, you know, why don't you just go and study? And so 
and when then I actually I, I took his advice and I was like, okay, well, I'll go and study BCom accounting, kind of to satisfy my dad, which is actually not right in a in a way. I loved accounting and I, I enjoyed the financial side of things, but I did it part time for a year and I did really well. And I surprised myself, and I was like, this is not for me. Doing it part time in the evenings, it was so tough. So I was like, nope. I'll put that, put that aside. Obviously, you felt disappointed, kind of feel like you're letting your dad down or letting people down. But then later on, it's weird. Like, I almost had to find my own way, find my own feet. So take the feedback almost like with a pinch of salt, <laughs> almost like not take it, take, take the feedback. But you know what? I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I know that you're doing it out of love. Like you, you, you don't want, you're doing it because you love us. You don't want to see us hurt. You don't want to see us fail. You don't want to see us. And I get that as probably as a parent you know, that's the last thing that they want for their, their child, right? So, but I feel like you could just take some of that feedback and you and just reassure your parents and say, hey, or we just pass your partner and be like, hey, you know what? Like, I want to try this. I want to do this. And let me just give it a go. And if it, and if I just have your support, if I know if I fall backwards, you there to just help me pick me up and help me when I'm there. But give me the chance to just prove you that I can do it. And so later on, every feedback that I got from everyone, I kind of just took it like with a with a grain of salt. And I'll be like, you know what? Thanks. I, I, I see what you're saying. But I went and did it anyway, if that made sense. Like I went, I kind of just parked the idea or I just wrote it down or whatever the case is and then just went and did it did it anyway. Because now if I, now fast forward, my dad's actually really proud of what I've done today and where I am, even though a lot of stuff, like you said, he doesn't understand, like he doesn't understand the technology or why, like, why are you building the websites and like, or, or why don't you do it this way or do it that way or like focus on the business on this. But like, he's coming from a different era and a different mindset and a, and, and a different learning. And so sometimes I just have to tell him, yeah, but, but this is how, this is what's happening in the trends. This is where we are today. Like, this is how people operate today. It's like, it's very different. And kind of, I think just educating them. My dad's not on social media. Like, he hates social media. And so he doesn't know, like, he's not aware or aware of a lot of these things that are happening around. So I think just educating them and showing them, putting it back to them and showing them how, you know, how we work today and maybe just like bringing them into the journey, bring them in. That's what I started doing. Then kind of like that kind of changed for me. Yeah. So few different things that you said there. One, admit that you don't know everything, but try and get their support and trust, even if they don't fully understand it. Just say, look, I, I just need the space to try this. Take their advice with a pinch of salt because they're coming from a completely different time frame. They don't have the same perspective as you because yeah. they have completely different knowledge and they've been told different advice from their parents, which they might be telling you. 100%. So 100%. And, then, and then educating them about yeah. what trying to do as much as possible it's not always easy with parents you know explain what webflow is there's something that i i found really really helpful this was on the design matters podcast with debbie millman and she mm. talked about if they're not in the arena getting their asses kicked then don't hear their advice and i think that's quite an interesting idea like mm. if they're not a webflower or if they're not an agency owner who's you know in the arena you know playing in the same game and, yeah Frankly, it's, their advice is not maybe that relevant, even if yeah. they, you know, a loved one. And yeah, and that's a good point. That's such a good point. Like I, um, I often find myself doing this. Like I try and put myself in the shoes of the other person before just judging from the outside. Like a lot of times, like your parents or your friends or your spouse, like they they're coming from a different perspective. They're coming from the outside in. So, like you say, when you're in the arena, you 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 the one you know, doing all the fighting and the battling and the understanding and the, you know, the day-to-day struggles and pushing through challenges and obstacles and uncomforts and all those things. But I feel like 
sometimes you've got to tell them like, well, put yourself in my shoes and then kind of like help them understand like this. So this is what's happening in my business or this is what's happening in our industry or this is what we do um, to try and help them, you know what I mean, step into your shoes so they can get a feel and yeah. see, oh, okay, wait, hang on. Like there is actually, there's more to this or there is opportunities or there is potentials and you can help kind of help them see the opportunity and potentials that maybe lay ahead that they don't see because they're just coming from the outside perspective. They don't, they're not aware of it or they not, don't know the industry. Tell me sure. about failure number two, failing to keep mm. track of your financials. Yeah, this is a, uh, an interesting one. So, um, and, and an important one, um, uh, obviously at the different companies I worked at, like I, I was super grateful to um, be a part of finance teams and learn finance and all the way up to trial balance. So um, I kind of have a good idea of like, you know, tracking finances and, and all those type of things. But I feel like this is something they don't really teach you in school or maybe even after school or when starting a business. I feel like financials is like the heartbeat of the company. Like if you, if you don't get it right, you don't really have a business. For me, keeping track, like failing to keep track of your financials is, is I feel like a lot of people struggle in this area. Thankfully, I, I learned a lot of the financials. So I was able to deploy a lot of the tactics and learnings around financials. But um, if you don't, I would say then, then hire someone who, in your circle or an, an accountant or a friend that knows financials very well. Make sure you onboard them into your business to help you. But things like, you know, you and I were chatting about this, like, you know, managing your like taxes, like com- country taxes and like s- savings during the, the, the dry months um, where there's no work coming in. You know, th- those type of things, like those things aren't really things at the top of your mind. In the beginning, you just kind of like, okay, how do I get my next sale? How do I put myself out there? How do I market myself? But then when the money comes in, what are you doing with the money? It's such an important piece of the puzzle. Like, do you just let it come into your bank account and then, and then, and then all of a sudden you're getting more and more work, more and more money's coming in. And then are you just blow, spending the money? Do you know what the money's going towards? Like, are you saving some of the money? Are you putting some aside for your taxes? Are you? So what? If, yeah. what if I've just got a project. Money's coming yeah. to my bank account. Or yeah. Should I should I first ask which bank account is it going into? What What do I do? What do I do with that? Yeah, 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 for sure. I would say. Um, so, if you're a solo entrepreneur, it depends what type of business you're setting up. But majority, like when I was setting up my businesses, I always kept personal and business separate. So I would say if you're um, operating out of your personal bank account, I would say rather treat it separately. So go to your ba- local bank and set up a actual checking business checking account. Step number one. And then with that step, create normally some of the banks, well, here in Canada and back in South Africa, they give you normally a savings account with that checking account. So in your country, most of the times, like when you open up a business checking account, they give you a business savings, which is cool. So then you take it. And you, and you, so now when you log in, sometimes I even used to treat them as two separate bank divisions, like institutions. So, you know, you would have like your personal with a certain bank and then you would have your business. So like, as an example here, my personal banking is with Envision, but then my business banking is with Scotia. So two different banks completely. So my logins are even separate, kind of just to separate the business and the personal out completely. So I would say that's kind of step number one. And then money coming into your bank account, a couple of things. So one is depends on what you're acting as 
as a, as a business owner. So if you're a sole proprietor, like you're just operating as yourself, you need to figure out in your country, wherever you are, what are the taxes that you will pay at the end of the year to the government um, for operating as a, as a sole proprietor? If you are an incorporated or limited company, like what, what we are, or in South Africa, they call them PTYs, LTEs. If you are registered as that, then you need to figure out, okay, what is the tax percentage that you need to pay at the end of the year for the income that you're getting in? So, so give you an example. So let me run like a scenario, maybe for the audience that could help them paint the picture a little bit better. So if you're, let's say like me, so you're into the bank account, you've got money coming in for the project. Normally what you would want to do is take for us, like as an incorporated, we pay 11% tax to the government. So this 11% now I'm talking from a business perspective. So don't get them confused. It's not fun. It's not personal. You still pay personal tax as an individual to, you know, every year, your T4s or whatever they call it in your country, um, you still have to pay your income tax to the end of the year. I'm talking about business tax, which, which a lot of people forget about. So for me as an incorporated, I chose incorporated because it's a low percentage of tax, so 11%, and I drive a lot of my expenses through the business so that it brings my paying tax down. So when money comes into the bank account, what I do is, and I, I mean, some people do this differently, but I take the 11% of um, the money coming in, or you could take it off the net profit that's coming in. So let's say if a thousand comes in, you made 500 profit of the thousand, you take 11% of the 500 and you move that straight away into a separate savings account, into your business savings account. Because what happens is at the end of the year, when it comes to paying the government your taxes, if you haven't set aside that money, then all of a sudden you're scrambling, running around trying to find a couple thousand dollars or in some people's instances, tens of thousands of dollars. And in some businesses that I've heard of a hundred thousands of dollars trying to figure out where do I find this money to all of a sudden pay the government when I'm supposed to be setting that money aside. Yeah. So we got yeah. three big steps there. Just so I've understood this right, Jamie, jump in if I haven't. First, yeah. set up a different bank account from your personal bank account ideally with a separate bank so that you've got separate logins, you know exactly what the difference is between yes. those. Yeah. You, whether you're a sole priority or a limited company, work out what taxes you need to pay in your country. Mm-hmm. And then whenever money comes in from any project, take the tax money straight out. Straight out. And put it in the savings account so Correct. that you can. Correct. You know, that's all just sat there. And then at the end of the Correct. year, you can just pay the government whatever you owe. Correct. Because what will happen is if you don't take it out straight away and you leave it in your, in your checking account, when you log into your bank, um, online or on your phone and you're like, Oh, cool. I have $5,000 in my bank account. It's like, well, not all 5,000 belongs to you to spend or to transfer to yourself as a salary or as, as money. Some of that money belongs to the government. So you see, that's where the, where the confusion is. You can accidentally spend that money every month that technically is belongs to the government money. Um, and then by the time the end of the year comes, you look back and you're like, oh, well, um, I'd, and your accountant, you do your financials and they say, okay, we need to pay um, your taxes over to the government. You need to pay $10,000. You're going to be like, well, I don't have 10000 The actual cash flow in my bank account, I've already spent it. So I don't have the $10,000 to pay the government. So now you're sitting scrambling or you might go into debt or have to get loans or credit cards to then pay the government portion, whereas if in the beginning, if you were just diligent enough or strict enough to move the money at that time, then you won't sit with that issue at the end. 
Makes a lot of sense. And you talked about cash flow there. Talk to me about what cash flow is from the perspective of a freelancer who, you know, yeah. might not really, they're just, you know, freelancing and they're not really too sure kind of what that term yeah. is. So I'll keep it super simple um, because a lot of, again, like this is financial stuff that normally you would get an accountant or someone to help you with. But on the on the cash flow side, it's how are you managing your money in order to have enough cash to keep you going for the months to come. So cash flow, you can get projected cash flow, like over the months, calculate, okay, what's my revenue? What's my average expenses per month? And you can quickly see, okay, I need so much per month to keep me going. That means I'm going to need so many clients coming into the funnel to keep the cash in the business flowing over the next couple of months. So if you don't keep a tab on, and, and I do this in, in our business, and, and I see a lot of businesses do this, is you have to keep a really your finger on the pulse when it comes to your financials and cash flow in the business. So how much money is in the bank? How much money is going out? How much projected or prospects do you have in the pipeline that you think are going to come through in the next week or in the next month or in the next two months so that you can foresee the site of going, okay, well, I have 10,000 coming in next month and I know I'm, I'm 80% sure that the project's going to land. Okay, so that amounts to so much, and my expenses are five thousand. That gives me five thousand cash flow to keep me going for the next month, as an example, in simple terms. So, where a lot of people just kind of don't look at what revenues coming in every month, what are their business expenses, and actually really looking at it properly, like going at okay, out of all my expenses, what can I shave away? What can I trim down to then increase the cash flow? in the business so that when the dry months come or the months that you're not busy, then at least then you have some sort of savings or you have some cash to keep you going. So tell me about failure number three, failing to ask for help. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say a lot of cooler success today is, is based off the people that helped me in the beginning. Um, when I know you and I chatted about this as well a little bit, um, when we in my previous like startups that I that I tried way back, you kind of work in a silo. Um, so you sometimes a little bit too scared to ask people for help or seek out coaches or mentors, and you kind of feel like, oh, I can I can do it all on my own. You know, I've got this type of thing. It's kind of like that was kind of like my young mindset back then. It's like, well, I don't need anyone else. I'm just going to figure this out on my own. And I know this stuff, no one else can help me type of thing. But with Kula, when I, when I started one of the, actually the, the very first things that I did was um, got a coach on board. Um, and then I also have a bunch of like mentors who could be your, you know, like my uncle or my dad or family members um, that just kind of help you in the beginning. So I would say like um, the fear, I mean, the failure there is, is not asking for help. <laughs> So in the beginning, that's kind of to flip that the the positive side or the the side that helped me was um, reaching out to coaches and mentors and having them um, there to support me and help me in the beginning is to be honest with you is what shaped Cooler today. I, I don't think I could have done it on my own if I was in my own family, and I think I would be struggling a lot more even post months. Post that, I mean, I went on a coaching program uh, with a really great coach out of the UK as well. And so I invested quite a bit of money into coaching and mentorship um, in the beginning because I knew that if I wanted to grow and get this business going right, 
I needed to bring on people who have done it or who can give me really good advice to help me overcome some of the challenges specifically in the beginning, like, you know, a difficult, a difficult clients or overcoming, you know, maybe a client, maybe paying late. Um, you know, how do you treat that? Like instead of just Googling it or trying to figure it out on your own, if you have a coach or a mentor that's in your corner that you can just tap into that can help you with those, that's, that's the power right there. And they, and they helped me a lot, in the, especially in the beginning. And why do you think that a lot of the time people don't ask for help? Yeah, I, maybe they, they're scared they're going to be judged. Like, well, I mean, don't, don't you know this? You know, like they're scared people are going to say like, yeah, but you should know this. Like, you know, maybe they're scared of like what people are going to think of them or what they're going to say of them if they ask for help. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe for some, it could be something completely different. Maybe they just have their own insecurities or their own feelings or emotions that are stopping them from reaching out and asking for help. You know, I'm I'm normally extrovert by nature, but maybe if you find someone that's a little bit more introvert or a little bit more quiet, seeking help or asking for help or um, jumping on a call with a mentor or coach can be daunting, can be scary. Yeah, like, um, so I think for some people like that, maybe maybe that's that could be one of their reasons. Maybe not seeking or asking for help. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. a young workflower. I'm hearing your advice, and I'm like, okay, Jamie, I need help. Where do I go? Where do I find that help? Yeah. So great one is, well, obviously, you know, I'm a mentor on ADP List, but ADP List is really cool. Like I stumbled across the platform uh, a while back and um, Felix Lee created a, an amazing platform that basically democratizes mentorship for all. So he's basically making mentorship for creatives around the world for free. So it's, it's completely free. So you can go and there's over 5,000 mentors on there that you can ask advice, you know, on anything, you know, your portfolio, how to change careers, how to switch from, you know, going from uh, full-time to freelance, um, how to price our projects, whatever the case is, there's tons of like really experienced um, mentors and people on there who have done who are work at big companies and have done amazing things in their life can share their story and share insights and valuable information. So that's a really great place and it's free. So I would say if you're a, if you're a freelancer, a Webflow freelancer, like definitely jump on ADP list. Like you can, you can search for people. You can choose, read their bios, see if they fit you, fit your values. Or um, if you feel like they've done something interesting and you can learn from them, jump on a call with them. And then, I mean, in your circle of sphere, there might be some people that you know, or maybe friends or friends that you know that maybe own or run a successful business. It might not be in the same industry, but that person might come with a lot of knowledge. So if you have a buddy and his father runs a really successful tech company or um, is a, you know, a financial director at a, at a company, that could be someone that you could reach out to for financial advice or like, you know, how to calculate your margins or, you know, any sort of those small things that, that you struggle with on day to day. If you actually look amongst just your people, your sphere around you, you'll probably be quite surprised at who could help you and coach you and mentor you if you just reach out and ask them. Yeah, definitely. I think just asking people who are a little bit ahead of you to just say, hey, can I quiz you about your life and just yeah. understand can I how, pick your brain? how you yeah. got to where you are? Like, it doesn't need to be like, okay, I'm going to lock you in to be my mentor. Yeah. Like it can just be a very organic thing that they 100%. actually become your mentor after just having Correct. a just And Correct. I think actually that as well is something that's vastly underrated. Just reaching out to someone who you yeah. like or who have qualities that you want to have and just saying, hey, can I just ask you about mm. how, you, how you developed and how you learned what mm. you learned? 
I think you're right. I think the, uh, and I want to say this, the, um, the mentor is not, it doesn't have to be a formal thing. Like it, it, you can just re- like pick someone's brain. Like you said, that's someone that's done something that has experience in a particular field or industry. Like you don't have to make it formal or they don't have to be like, you don't have to call them your mentor or you don't have to be a mentee. You don't have to label anything. I feel like it's just, um, I feel like you can just step out and just ask for help. Like yeah. you don't have to put a label to it or, or make it formal. Um, and there's definitely people around there that can help you. Yeah. And I would also say that, um, you know, your mentor doesn't need to be someone famous. I think like yeah. there's this idea that's like Christo or nothing. Like this, yeah. you know, people are just yeah. like, shout out to Christo. Chris, shout yeah. out to Christo. Christo. Incredible, incredible mentor. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can't think of anyone in the design space that has yeah, had a big sure. impact as a mentor, but he is not going to probably reply to your message if you just DM him saying, hey, can I pick your brains? So yeah. I think there's there's something to be said about, you know, respecting that some people are, you know, maybe inundated with messages like that. And mm-hmm. just being aware that uh, if someone doesn't necessarily reply to you, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, they hate you or whatever. Um, it's just that potentially um, reaching out to someone who isn't inundated with messages in every day yeah. uh, to yeah. ask if you can pick their brains uh, might sure. be a better bet. For sure. Um, for sure. And I think um, to, to add to that quickly is when you when you seek someone to ask for help or if you do find a mentor, even in my case, I'm actually learning from the mentee as well. So it's, it works both ways. So it's not that when, when you go to someone to ask for help, that person that's, that's giving you the advice or that is helping you, they're also learning from you at the same time. So it's kind of like a give and take. So it's also really cool for someone maybe that is who is experienced can they can also learn something from you so i feel like it 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 kind of works both ways which is pretty cool speaking of all of this jamie obviously you're an adp list mentor um but you've also written this booklet to help uh webflowers level up their freelancing game a lot of the things that we've talked about today what what else is in this booklet and uh, where can people find it yeah, I to give a bit of context, I wrote the book like last year. And so some of the things that I struggled with was like specifically around the operational side of things. So over just using all my experience over the years, and I kind of just took everything that I know around working in agencies and how they work and the ways of working. Um, and I kind of just cherry picked all the golden nuggets and things that I feel like could really help a lot of freelancers almost run their freelance business as if it were an agency. So deploy like all the, how to communicate with clients, how to set up your folders with your clients. How do you pitch and sell Webflow? How do you structure your proposal? It could cover, it covers things like all the financial stuff that we spoke about, like a costing sheet. And so a lot of like the back end operational stuff, like it's got some other like Webflow tips and learnings. And, you know, if you're new to Webflow and you're not sure where to start to learn Webflow, like it's got that kind of flow to it as well but it's more things like um how to like run discovery calls and like you know all the kind of things that agencies would do to kind of take their clients through that onboarding journey from start to finish so all the way from like what do you do in the beginning when you onboard a client and then all the way through to what do you do when you offboard a client because i feel like a lot of freelancers 
get excited. They just want to get in and do the work and, and do the designing and the developing. But then they forget about all the other touch points that you have with your, with your potential customer, whether you're working for other agencies or you're working with direct clients. What about like your go live checklist and, and what about your offboarding? Like, are you asking for a testimonial review? Are you get, sending a survey to get feedback so that you can improve on your skills and create even a better experience for your next customer? Like all those things from start to finish is kind of what I, what I wanted to put into a guide so that I could help people kind of think through kind of all the elements of like running an agency really. And it includes a consulting call with me as well, just to kind of like help you if you have any questions, or if you get stuck through the guide, or if there's anything like you really want to dig deep deeper on. Um, so I've included that as well. But yeah, you can find it at Kulo.studio. You'll see a banner at the top of the website. Yeah, and I feel like it can definitely help a lot of people for sure. So let's get into uh, the final question. Um, we've talked about your three failures, but this is a harder question. What is your next failure going to be? Hmm. That's a good one. That was uh, the funniest, a... noise, funniest noise I've ever had in yeah. reaction to that question. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, that's a, that's a hard. That's a hard question. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a tough. I I've been wrestling like. Do I carry on with myself or do I scale scale the design studio and hire more people like Jamie's to come in and then and then work in the business as like account strategist or brand strategist? Um, and so I would say probably the next failure is going to be scaling, like scaling up, um, you know, getting a team, maybe a more of a permanent team um, coming in. I feel like there's a lot of mistakes that could be made there. Like, you know, that's another whole area on its own like hiring um you know onboarding employees um i feel like that's something um i've worked as an employee so i know um but now if you flip it the other way around i feel like that's my next failure is scaling up thanks for listening to episode 17 of webflow with jamie windle my favorite part of this episode was when jamie talked about managing finances as a webflower It's probably the least sexy part of Webflow freelancing or agency running, but maybe that's also why it's not talked about enough. Jamie advises separating your personal finances from your business finances, working out what taxes you owe and then putting that tax money aside straight away. Very simple advice, but seriously important. Not going to lie, after this episode, I needed to sit down with my finances and work out what was going on. Hope this episode helped you as much as it did for me. If you want inspiration, business advice, and Webflow jobs, direct to your inbox. Sign up for the Webflow Roundup at webflow.com. This is a weekly newsletter designed for you to take your Webflow freelancing to the next level. I hope it helps. With Webflow Conf, I won't be interviewing anyone this week, but join me at 4pm BST in a couple of weeks' time to hear the next episode. Until then, Webflowers, 